I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this episode is recorded, the Gubby Gubby people. I would also like to acknowledge the First Nations peoples and language groups across this entire nation in which conception, pregnancy and sacred motherhood knowledge has been shared. We pay our deepest respects to their elders past, present and emerging and further extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hello, hello and welcome. You are listening to the Oxytocin Hour. I'm your host, Dana. I'm a midwife, mum of five and all-round oxytocin enthusiast. People are all too willing to share their negative experiences of conception, pregnancy, labour, birth and beyond. The Oxytocin Hour is your safe haven, filled with positive experiences from mums, dads, doulas, midwives and everyone in between. Each week we will release a new episode with the intent to uplift and inspire you. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Now, let's get into today's episode. This and every episode of the Oxytocin Hour is strictly for entertainment purposes and is not to be used as medical advice. On today's episode, we have Vicky. She's a mum of four girls who, after three hospital births, made the decision to hire a private midwife and have a family-centred home birth. Thank you so much for coming on to chat about your your home birth with Blairsie. Uh Thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> so do I start from the beginning? Yeah, let's start from the yeah. top. Okay. Um, so I had my first pregnancy and birth at 16 and that was a hospital birth. I was very uneducated about what to expect. Um and as I approached 42 weeks, it was encouraged to induce. Um, and I didn't realize at that time that it was an option, not a must do. Hmm. Um, so we went through with the induction uh, due to obviously lack of education as well as um, kind of being over pregnancy by that point. And that was fairly straightforward. Um, we did the cervical tape yeah. instead of the gel and that was a waiting game for a few hours and I then hind waters broke and went into labour myself. So there was no syntocin, um, there was no more further intervention and she was born about six hours after that. Um, I did go through with the epidural. And that actually left me, I guess, paralyzed from the neck down Mm -hmm. and was then left in for about a day afterwards. So I still couldn't get out of bed or care for my baby. Yeah. That I took away was what birth is supposed to be like. Um, But it didn't feel right. So before having my second baby, I had really got into learning about birth and I knew that I would not have an induction again and I really wanted to experience a spontaneous labour, which I did at 41 weeks and she was posterior. It was quite painful in my back and it took me a while to realise it was even labour because it was so different. Yeah. 
and the pain was just it wasn't obviously the contracting in the front it was more the pain in the back she was born in the hospital where they had tried to do an episiotomy without my consent and I had stopped that from happening Mm -hmm. while they still kept trying to push and bully me into it that she was going to like it was going to be a bad tear um, or she wasn't coming out because she was posterior I still denied it and I ended up birthing her without tearing oh good and I am I am glad that I fought for that to not happen and then with the third birth I was actually going to free birth her because I didn't want to go through the fighting again in labor when you're you're most vulnerable having to tell people no while they're still trying to do something to you is not something I wanted to experience yes uh so with the third birth that was my hardest hyperemesis pregnancy Mm. and we had moved away from like our family and our friends and through the hospital system again because I was using them for my pregnancy care I just felt really unsupported yeah um which hospital were you at gold coast gold coast okay yeah the university hospital there um and it just was like the hardest pregnancy um the most unsupportive pregnancy that in the end I made my own decision which I thought was empowered at the time Mm. to induce at 38 uh, 38 and a half weeks okay uh, so she was she was quite quick. It was only about an hour and a half um, that was with Sintocin. But I felt from that experience that what I was lacking the most during pregnancy and birth and postpartum is care right from the beginning mm. to the end and care on my terms. So trying to go to a hospital and have you know, multiple hour appointments while you're vomiting nonstop Mm. is just, it's just not doable. It's not doable for women. Um, And and having other little kids as well. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, you know, take care of them or find alternative care for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just know that mentally from my third birth, that if I just had someone that helped support me during that time I felt like seeking pregnancy care took more of a toll on me and my pregnancy than probably just going without it yeah um so I knew that with our last baby that it was going to be on my terms Mm -hmm. and it was going to be in our environment it was going to be in our home um someone was going to take care of me this time so we hired a private midwife I think I messaged her at like three and a half weeks pregnant yeah I like I'm gonna lock you in (laughs) yeah and I just it was as soon as I had got that positive test which was you know probably like 10 days post ovulation Mm. I had messaged her and she came that day and had coffee with Eric and I and met us like instantly and we just knew there was just it had never felt like another midwife had felt um 
you could tell that she genuinely cared about women and her focus was like supporting and like working alongside the women. Um, so yeah, we, we started seeing her from very, very early. And how did you, just really quickly, because I do have a lot of people message about um, finding the right midwife for you. Did you just have a look online? Did you get recommended her or were you? Uh, so there was, I actually found it on the Home Birth Queensland and they have like that registry list. Yep. Um, and so obviously I narrowed it down to Brisbane midwives yep. um, and then did like a lot of looking on sort of their social media pages. I checked the um, home birth Facebook group for reviews on uh, midwives in the areas. And I was going to then do a meet and greet with the ones that I sort of narrowed down. I had been doing this work, sorry, I had been doing this work before we even got pregnant. So this was a process before um we had even got pregnant so it was a long process it was really narrowing it down it was really looking into our options um proximity was a big one mm-hmm. because my last birth was only an hour and a half yeah so that one was really important for us and the one we chose who we clicked with instantly we didn't even bother um, meeting with any of the other midwives lives down the road so that was also perfect, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that we had to look into is not all private midwives do the appointments in your home. Mm-hmm. So that one was a non-negotiable for us, um, especially in sort of the first half of pregnancy when leaving my home is just, it doesn't happen. And you had um, HG again during? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I was um, very sick with Blair again as I had with all of my previous pregnancies. And so, yeah, that was like a non-negotiable. It had to be in our home. They had to be family-centered. They had to be okay with the children, you know, being in their space during appointments. And yeah, that was, so that was how we had chose our midwife. We then, obviously went through the pregnancy this time I decided to have take like a natural approach to pregnancy care um so a lot of Cairo a lot of acupuncture um my acupuncturist was amazing also did like the Chinese medicine and um was a naturopath as well yes (laughs) um I don't know why I struggle with that word but there's always a word that you're just like you know what I mean (laughs) So um, none of my care I would consider was very medicalised that time. It was, um, and it was like a whole body approach. Like I wanted to take a whole body approach, this time being my fourth baby. Um, the toll had already been taken, having other children. Um, so a lot of body work, a lot of um, meditation time with my acupuncture, a lot of rest Mm. so that was sort of our pregnancy experience um and my midwife was it was she was amazing anytime i could contact her anytime i could make extra appointments i could if i needed her she was there 
um, which was huge for me because I wanted someone that was with me from the beginning to well after baby was born. I wanted to meet with someone that I didn't have to repeat my history every time I met a new face. Yes. Um, I didn't have to go over everything or then have multiple different, um, like, takes on how to approach things. You know, when you go up to the hospital and you have a different midwife each time, you might have someone that is more woman-centred and the way that they want to take care of you or help you that day or their plan for your pregnancy, I guess, um, would be very different to, say, a midwife that you met at the next time who was very fear-based, I guess, or very um, medicalised. So having someone that just, it just, when she'd come for the next appointment, she just picked up from where we left off the last appointment. Um, Or if, you know, some pregnancy or birth fears had come up and we started working through them, when I saw her the next time we were able to go through like a reflection of, you know, the time in between where we, I had been able to work on those things. It just made a huge difference. Um, just having someone that knew me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was a big part is just not just having strangers and not having strangers at your birth. That was a big part for me too is I wanted someone that I knew at my birth. It is a special day. Like it's important. And I wanted that presence to be calming because we had spent nine months getting to know each other, um, discuss the fears Um, all the positives, she knew how I'd birthed before, what my preferences are. I'm not a very touchy-feely person, so she also knew that what I need in that space prior to it. You know, I'm not bringing a birth plan that gets a quick glance over before they then, um, you know, are there for your birth. I had a nine-month birth plan that we worked on from the day we met. That's so perfect, especially because, like, if you went into labour and you're not a touchy-feely person, you could have a midwife that is just constantly trying to touch you and whatever and and you could, you know, not be in the right frame of mind because you're having a baby to be like, oh, can you you please not touch me because I'm not a – and you might, you know, snap or whatever, and then it just creates more tension. So to be able to get through all of this during the pregnancy is, like, so perfect. Yeah, and that, that was what I learned from my last three births is it felt like even though I don't particularly feel I walked away from any birth with trauma mm-hmm. and I don't view them as impacting me hugely, it did feel like it was a fight. Yeah. It did feel like it wasn't on my terms. Um, and as a serial planner and a, you know, self-confessed control freak, it's different being in that space yeah. and feeling like everyone else in that room had more power than I did mm-hmm. when I was the one birthing. So that was so important this time around that, you know, 
this is this is my space this is my birth this is my body it is my baby i am the one in power here you're just here to support yes not make decisions for me so um and that was just it was just the most beautiful pregnancy experience despite the constant vomiting yeah and <laughs> just you know growing Blair who was a very large baby so I felt that in my body it was just it was everything that I had dreamed of in the time the planning time before conceiving her so when it came to um the birth which was at home it we actually before the birth I got to 41 and five weeks. Yes. So fast approaching 42 weeks again. And I had done like all of this chappy breakfast at the school and they had some Easter activities happening. And I had come home from doing that and some like Easter shopping and my body just, it just ached. It hurt so much. I was in so much pain. I called my partner to come home and, told him I can't do the school run this afternoon. I just can't walk. I'm I just, I'm done. Physically cannot. (laughs) It's my body has reached its peak and being able to then call my midwife and tell her exactly that too. And she came straight over and she was like, well, what, what would you like to do? What, what do you need from me? What can, where can we go from here? Mm. And at that point, as much as I did not want any intervention, I did ask her for a stretch and sweep. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that I'd spent the nine months getting to know her because she said, you know, I can do that for you, um, but you seem very tired today. And if it did trigger some labor, you haven't rested, maybe you should have a full night's sleep. Um, and I can come back in the morning and if it's still what you want to do, then I'm happy to do it. Yeah. And I'm, you know, obviously because she knew that I didn't want intervention and I didn't want to stop the natural process happening as it happened, she was able to then tell me what I needed to hear to just come down that night. Yeah, beautiful. Get a good rest, have a sleep. She obviously knew and just didn't let me in on the fact that baby was coming soon anyway. Yeah. Um despite my gestation, but obviously how I was feeling emotionally and Mm. physically, she knew that baby wasn't far away. Mm. So we made our appointment for 10 a.m. the next morning. And I did, as she told me, I rested. I hopped into bed and slept the whole night. I think maybe there was some wee weights, but I (laughs) rested. Um, and I woke up the next morning with just a new, new energy and a new feeling and just also glad that I didn't follow through with the stretch and sweep like I asked because yesterday was just a hard day, but today I just felt completely new um, and ready to face whatever pregnancy was still throwing at me. Um, when I woke up, Eric had been cooking a breakfast for all of us because he knew that obviously emotionally I needed some extra loving. So 
I woke up to bacon and eggs and like pancakes and just like fruit platters being cooked and put out for the girls and myself. And when I went to the bathroom, um, I had actually had my bloody show. So that was very exciting. I called him in and I was like, it's happening. Like today's the day we've just, it's today's the day. um, Bleeding is my first sign of labor with all, all my pregnancies Mm -hmm. and the babies have been born within a few hours of it happening. So that was just like, this is amazing. And he was asking, well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, keep cooking breakfast. (laughs) And did (laughs) did he, was this on a weekend or like a week? Yes, it was a Saturday morning. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he was home from work because that was a big fear for me. I think that I couldn't let go of while pregnant is how fast it happens and him potentially missing it or our children missing it because they really wanted to be involved in the birth. So maybe I just kept her in until we were all home on Saturday morning and was able to just let go finally and relax. Um, So he kept cooking breakfast and the kids were eating it and I went for a shower and some little twinges started happening. So I did let my midwife know that um, I'd had the bloody show and some little niggles they were very tiny but they were they were there Mm. um and when I come out I tried to eat my breakfast but I actually couldn't sit down I couldn't put any pressure on the bottom of me at that point so I had to get my pancakes on hands and knees on the couch because I couldn't sit and even then I'm still thinking it's hours away or um, we've still got so much time to get everything ready. Yeah. Um, I did, I only ended up getting through like one pancake and not being able to eat anything else after that. And we, um, and I'm messaging my midwife this whole time, just giving her updates. It's probably only been an hour at this point since everything sort of started showing signs of happening. We went and put some sheets on the bed and started preparing our birth space. Um, At this point, the twinges started turning into light contractions. So with that, we started filling up the birth pool, actually, because I knew once it was on, it was potentially going to be on. Yes. Uh, So we started filling up the birth pool. And yeah, the sheets on the bed. The girls were just painting at the table at this point. It was it was weird. It was like this weird sensation of like new, knowing something super exciting is happening, but also like just living our normal every day. Mm. Um, but we were all just super happy and super excited, and like we had the music going, and um, yeah, it's it's hard to explain the normality of it all but how huge it is at the same time. And about eight, about 8.30, my midwife said, because this, there's this, there was this fear of getting her here and it being nothing. Mm-hmm. And she was already coming at 10, so I was kind of delaying that happening um, because we had gone through prodromital labour a week beforehand that fizzled out and um, had me up all night 
So I was worried it might have been the same thing. But my midwife reassured me and she was like, if it's nothing, I go home. It's not a big deal. Yeah, like don't feel bad about it. It's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I'm only down the road. I'll pop in. I'll see how you're going. Uh, If not, I just head home and... It's not, and I think I just needed to hear that reassurance, I guess, as women of like not putting someone out yeah. by our needs or maybe the people pleaser in me. Um, so she slowly started getting ready. Uh, we're still filling up the pool. Uh, I opened up like every blind in the house. I was like, I want all the natural light in here, which seemed like at the time when I pictured my birth, I was like, I want it dark and I wanted the fairy lights and during that process, it was just every light was open, like every window was open, all the natural light. The music's playing. My house smells delicious of pancakes and bacon <laughs> um, that I can't eat. And she arrived about 9 a.m. And when she came, I was still just working through some light contractions that didn't feel like much at that point but they were happening and as soon as she got there it was like this relief not because I needed her there but because it felt real finally Mm -hmm. because my midwife is here like birth is happening obviously and when she got here she'd asked if I had been to the toilet since the first time I've been to the toilet and I was like actually no I haven't I probably go wee before things get serious and the walk from my lounge room to the toilet was just three or four really strong contractions that stopped me while walking, which I hadn't experienced before she got there. Mm. Um, And when I come out, she said, your pool is ready if you want to hop in. And I'm like, why would I hop in now? That seems like a ridiculous time. I've had four (laughs) contractions. Um, That seems ridiculous at this point and I read so much that the pool can slow down labor yes and I was a little bit hesitant of that but the pressure in my tailbone at this point because I was already having so much pressure down there I couldn't see it yeah um I was willing to try to relieve that and I hopped in the pool and it was just the most um it was just a game changer just I had felt so heavy for like the last few weeks of pregnancy and just relieving some of that weight and that pressure and just floating and feeling weightless felt really good. And those painful contractions that I have felt walking from the lounge room to the toilet had eased as well. Cool. Um, from that point, it was, so it was about nine o'clock at this point. And then I hopped into the pool and we were just floating and we were talking and just really excited. Like that just, I can't get over. And I just remember so thoroughly how much excitement's happening because our children are there too. So they're really eager and really keen to meet their baby that they've been waiting for, for months and months. Um, and so we're just all in the room, we're all laughing, we're all talking. I'm still completely fine through these contractions at these like this point, still breathing through them. And if at any point I did 
tense up my midwife has the most beautiful meditation voice and she would remind me to like open and soften um like relax the jaw and the mouth um when I was pregnant she likened it to the faces that we pull during orgasm mm-hmm. um so it was we're seeing this connection here between yeah us. yeah <laughs> and it and it is like it and, but even just her then mentioning it took my brain back to those conversations, which is enough to sort of snap you out of what you're feeling at that point and to redirect your brain again. Good, yes. Um, so that, yeah, was able to just get me out of those very tense ones. And we started reaching about... 9 30 and I've turned to Eric and said I think this is probably going to be one of my longest labors out of all of them because it still feels just so so nice and so relaxed and still working through the contractions with ease and then it's almost like I jinxed myself and the next contraction from that was quite intense and very pushy Mm. like I was bearing down in that one and I said to my midwife, I feel like I have to push. And she said, well, if you if you want to push with it, you can, or you can just keep writing it out. So I wrote it out because I didn't want to go through the actual crowning and the pushing stage yet. Yeah. And three more of those had passed and they still felt quite pushy. And then the fifth one came and at this point there was no more fighting the bearing down feeling and this raw, like this primal roar that I didn't even know that I was capable of um, just came exploding out of me. And with that, she had dropped down into my vagina. I could feel her there. Yeah. Um, with the next one, this was probably the worst one. My waters ruptured, um, followed by a third one that they just were like, over the top of each other. So you weren't getting any breaks in between. It was just. Not, yeah. yeah. Mm. It was just over. Like there was nothing other than from the waters breaking, my six-year-old at this point had run out of the room mm-hmm. and I had asked one of her big sisters to go check on her, yep. which she had just gone to go get her noise-canceling headphones because mummy was very loud at yes. this point. <laughs> um, so they had, they were returning. And with the third one, you know, typical mum though, still micromanaging her children while there's a baby exiting their body. With the third one, she started crowning and my 12-year-old actually hopped into the birth pool with my midwife behind her. Um, And they had like a little feel of Blair's head and how her, like the bones in there are still sort of squishy. Yeah. The scalp feels like a little bit, you know, different and looks a little bit like a brain. And that didn't last long because obviously the next contraction came and she was out and my 12-year-old at 12 at that time had caught her, helped unwrap the cord around her neck and then passed her up to me, which was, I think, like just the highlight of everything, the children being involved in this process. And all of my children are daughters. So this one was really huge to me because I wanted to normalise birth for them. I wanted it to be, um, you know, I don't want it to be a scary thing for them. I don't want them to grow up and 
have fears or um, not realize that there is other ways to do birth. It's not yeah. having to be in a hospital. It's not having to be induced. It's not having to be medical. I wanted a, like a beginning for them that was beautiful and it was, you know, it was nice. Like it was just the most calming experience either. I don't remember a transition period. Um, there was not one point in my labor where I questioned whether I was able to do this. If anything, I was telling myself the whole time, like it's, there's still so much to go. I'm not having the bed. It's in my just being Braxton Hicks. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be hours. Yeah. It's going to be, um, it's going to be fine. And I remember having a debrief with my midwife after that. And she asked the same question. One of her first questions was if I could pinpoint when I thought transition was. And I said to her, if there was a transition period, I think it was when she was exiting my body. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and, and she said to me, the reason I asked that is because I didn't see one either. Mm. And I wondered if you were internalizing it or um, just it didn't happen. And it just, I don't know. I think the gaslighting for that whole hour and a half was enough to trick me or if it was so quick that it was during pushing um but the aftercare of a home birth it's just it's different they're helping you up into your your bed and you're comfortable um we actually ordered uber eats was one of the first things we did post birth because i hadn't been able to eat or keep down a whole meal for pretty much the last nine months so were you um, instantly, um, like with the HG thing, and I know a lot of people listening probably don't know that much about it, you were sick for the whole nine months. Was it just instantaneously as soon as that placenta came away, you felt better? Yeah. So as soon as the placenta has, I guess, left my body for all four babies, mm. the desire for food and the ability to keep food down is – it. It's, it's like magic. I don't, I can't explain it. Um, I remember that morning being like, I don't need to take my medication today because my baby's coming and I won't be vomiting soon. I did end up taking it though. Okay. About half an hour into labor. I was like, no, Eric, you need to go get that because I'm already feeling seedy from that one pancake. Oh, no. Um, And plus, you know, you're in labor as well, so it's not ideal to. (laughs) No. Yes. So we were, oh, actually, I've skipped the placenta birthing placenta, birthing the placenta. Yeah. uh, Because that actually took longer than birthing my baby. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So birthing the placenta took an hour and 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, I originally tried to birth it in the pool, but I just couldn't get comfortable. Mm. I was trying to hold her and you've got like just a little sort of cushion to sit on. And I even tried sort of sitting on my side to get more comfortable. And after about 20 minutes, I, I said, I want to hop out. I want to try somewhere else. I had a birth like stool that I used for urine steaming. So I tried sitting on that um and again just still couldn't get comfortable still like the surges were sort of starting to slow down um at that point i made the decision to because we're at the 40 minute mark 50 minute mark 
to cut Blair's cord mm-hmm. um, and let her skin to skin with Dad while I then moved to the toilet with, like, a bowl in the toilet. Um, I'd taken some placenta release, like, herbal tinctures from Blissful Herbs and within a couple of minutes of taking that, the surgeon sort of amped up and I finally released my placenta on the toilet, which I was so grateful for because then I could hop back in my bed and be comfortable again. Yes. Um, I'm not sure why it took so long. I think it was because it was a different experience for me. It was my first, um, first, you know, birthing placenta like without like intervention. Like yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to say that word, but it's again, like, <laughs> that I was, um, so I think just the not sort of knowing and we had done, we had watched a lot of birth videos and heard a lot of stories, but there isn't a huge emphasis on what happens after, mm. after the baby's here or what to expect during birthing the placenta. Yes. Um, <clears throat> In the beautiful home birth videos and stuff, it sometimes just skips to the placenta magically being in the bowl mm. um, when it's being edited. So I just, yeah, that did take a long time. But I was grateful that in the end, even though I didn't want to cut her cord, I was able to do what I wanted to do and, um, you know, finally get it out. Yeah. And then we got to just hop in our bed and snuggle and wait for our uber eats and what did you order chinese we actually oh, got no. chinese <laughs> um i wanted something that was naughty but didn't feel too naughty yeah um and it was just all of my babies in my bed with me uh, just like a big yeah it was and everyone just in awe of Blair and just all snuggled up and I was comfortable. I think that was like the main takeaway from that was it being my environment, my bed, not the tiny hospital beds in a four share room with other women and their, their babies. And, um, and that is where we stayed for the next few days or weeks. Actually, it's probably weeks. <laughs> you can't um, live that long because you're in the baby, yeah. like the newborn bubble. Hey, my midwife um, stayed for both midwives. I forgot that my second midwife turned up as I was pushing baby, pushing Blair out. Yeah. Um, they stayed. They cleaned up our house. They put the birth pool down. It was weird the next day walking into our birth space and it just not existing anymore. Like it was some magic fairies had come in overnight <laughs> and just made it all beautiful and like they put all our towels and our washing, you know, down into the like laundry. And I think Eric had thrown them through a wash. Um, I liked that I had my midwife on call in those days after because Blair has significant ties. So breastfeeding was a really difficult journey Mm. in the beginning. Um, and I had her pretty much on call until Blair was like six weeks. And I was like, you know what? I'm already ready to emerge from this ourselves. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're ready to move on to that sort of next stage of it being just us. Um, but I just, 
my biggest takeaway from that experience, uh, especially when I considered free birth and stuff in the past, was just, like, I don't want to say that my midwife didn't do anything or because she, she did everything that I needed her to do. Yes. But as a, like, a hands-on thing, I didn't need anything hands-on. Um, but that emotional support the whole way through um, the accommodations to suit around what I needed um, just it is worth everything when you're choosing a private midwife it's mm. it's something that you cannot get through the hospital system um, I think they're making sort of changes towards that but it's just not something that I had found in my other experiences no it's so true because um yeah it's like and you don't know what you don't know so some people will think like oh that's a lot of money that you have to spend where I could just go and give birth with a midwife in hospital for free and it's like it's not that black and white like there's so many other bits to it so it's really nice that you're able to come on here and share your lived experiences of having the, the hospital experience and why you decided that that wasn't something that you wanted for this birth um, and how that whole thing played out because it gives people a big insight to like what they can expect with a private midwife. Yeah, well, I actually had many conversations about that when I was pregnant with like family and stuff of why we were choosing to spend a few thousand dollars on an experience that is provided for free yes. um, through our hospital um, system. And it was definitely a point that was brought up a lot. Mm. Um, but I guess the saying goes, you get what you pay for Yeah. sometimes. Um, and the things that were important to me, to our family, to my children, to my partner, were things that we could not get through a free system. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not offered. I didn't want to leave my home in labor. I remember the drive during my spontaneous labor and just not being able to be comfortable and like leaving my environment and then things feeling worse during the transition from home to the hospital because everything was changing and then waiting in the waiting room for them to even find you a room to birth in yeah um just while you're sitting on the crappy like they can't even get you nice chairs <laughs> to sit on and be comfortable in um it's i with with her i was then put in like an, an actual waiting area mm. and i still had to spend some time in there before i still had a room after that just pacing in this tiny area with like a tv in the corner um, and you're trying to like zone in in your body and what it is doing and working with your baby in the most unnatural environment possible. And then when you walk into your birth room and you see the bed and behind the bed is just shelves and shelves of medical equipment, mm. it doesn't feel like home. It doesn't feel, I think even seeing that for the first time, if you haven't done tours of the hospital, um, if you haven't done tours of the hospital, seeing that for the first time would be really confronting of why is there so much medical equipment in here? I thought birth was supposed to, you know, be a certain... Yes, you can have some more. 
While some people have never even stepped foot in a hospital until they fall pregnant and then they're going to antenatal you know, appointments and whatever, which obviously is not in birth suite. So then when it comes time to go to birth suite, you're so right. It can be super confronting, which can make your, your brain uh, release more adrenaline and stuff. And so you can yeah. sort of have that, that fight or flight response. And yeah, it isn't conducive of having a nice, natural, um, gentle, calm sort of birth. So, which is something that people need to understand. Hey, so. Yeah. And it, as I said, that is, it is confronting and it does take away. Um, I know a lot of mums do a lot of work before their birth and, you know, they try like the hypnobirthing and they, um, you know, meditation and they do all of these things. And the change in environment, I don't think, is always factored into what to expect. Yes. Um, all that all that drive. Like there, there was just so many things where I was like, I just, I need to be here. I need to not change what I'm doing. I need to just be as it is. I need to be comfortable. I need to feel happy. I need to feel safe. Um and that is just a huge difference. Like I could, after experiencing a home birth and how magical that feels and how different that feels, I just could not ever picture going back to a hospital birth. Obviously, yes. if it was completely medically needed, obviously, um, but not by choice. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that I think that people don't, realize that even though it seems like a large sum of money mm -hmm. it is spread out it was almost like a year like having the appointments the birth the afterbirth that's almost 11 months that you're paying this amount off over that time pending obviously what your midwife's um, payment arrangement is but for mine it was paid off you know, for each appointment as it sort of happened. It was broken up into very manageable chunks Good. each each time that I saw my midwife. So while that number can look a little overwhelming, you know, that's a little sacrifice once a month or, you know, once a fortnight, depending how far you are in your pregnancy financially. And it is definitely doable. And I don't think people realise how much midwives are willing to work with you in making that happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, these were the things that I obviously sort of broke down to people when we would, you know, discuss why I would pay for something that I could get for free. Um, yeah. So. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that because I just think if any woman's listening to this and they're sort of like, toying with the idea of home birth or maybe they've you know they've never even really thought about it until listening to this hopefully it's given them just more insight into what can actually happen and what to expect which obviously is something freaking amazing and a really positive experience um because we know that yes if you were to have another baby you would be straight back having a baby at, at home, home. <laughs> you will not be yeah which is cool like that's good and and to know that everyone has um these choices as well is amazing 
Um, so yeah. thank you again so much for coming on to chat and I will speak to you next time. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to share the love or get in contact with us for feedback or a chance to be a guest on the show, you can contact us at www.daisy.com.au. That's www.daisy.com.au. Or on our Instagram at the oxytocin hour, all one word. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in and I hope you've gained something positive from listening. Until next time.